where people get trapped is they listen to all these people say, oh, you got to post on TikTok three times a day and that's how you win. And they try that and they burn out really quick and then they never want to do it again. You show up when you can show up consistently and that is your consistency. And no one can tell you that because no one lives your life. How often can I show up and how consistent can I be? And two, how consistently can I talk about one outcome? And when I say an outcome, I mean, if Barb the Pilates coach wants you to lose 15 pounds, that's the outcome. If you're going to help people get uh, on new and noteworthy in the first 90 days of their podcast, that's an outcome. And you have to speak to that outcome over and over again consistently. You don't have to say the same thing, but you do need to have some consistency to what you're talking about. Because if our feed is primetime TV, and that's what I compare mine to, and I went to the Discovery Channel because I want to watch some cool stuff about the Egyptians, and I turned it on and there was a football game on, the first thing I would think is I'm on the wrong channel. And then when I realized I was on the right channel, I'd be pretty pissed at Discovery Channel. Cliptos, what is up fam? Stoked to be back with you on the podcast this week. For those of you that don't know, I'm Eric, your host, and Clipped is a podcast that brings you podcast production tips, resources, education, and industry insights to help you start, grow, and monetize a podcast. I also run a podcast production company called The Podcast Haven. This podcast is a part of that ecosystem. And hey, if you're looking for podcast production help, head on over to thepodcasthaven.com and check out our offerings. Now, today on the podcast, I'm chatting with Travis Brown. Travis is one hell of an entrepreneur. He's the founder of Poddex, which is a deck of playing cards that prompts interview questions and icebreakers. He also owns a production company called Podcast Buddy. They do editing, mixing, show notes, publishing, etc. He's an Instagram guru and runs a program called Social Boom, where him and his team have taught hundreds of people a proven system to rapidly grow and monetize their Instagram accounts. In this episode, we're talking about how to overcome the fear of being on camera for social media, how to create digital and physical products for service-based business owners, how to use social media to your advantage to scale your podcast or brand or business. We're talking about growth content versus sales content when you're posting and why giving your knowledge away for free can reap dividends for you down the line. We're also talking about how to pitch your offerings without sounding too salesy. All right, guys, stoked for this episode with Travis, and let's do it. Travis, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's so great to connect with you in real life, virtually, (laughs) not just uh, social media. That's how we originally connected. Uh, I was just impressed, honestly, by what you've been doing. We'll talk more about this in a little bit, but Travis is the creator of Poddex, um, which is a deck of cards that gives you interview questions. So I'm going to pick one. I know all the answers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I figured this would be like a fun icebreaker. All right, Travis, do you have a favorite thing you do for a girl or guy's night out? Guy's night, in your case. Guy's night, yeah. Uh, My two favorite things to do for guy's night out are poker night. Oh. Or uh, I have Top Golf, which is like literally a minute from my house. And so Top Golf's just like this, uh, you know, you go hit golf balls out into these little targets and it's a lot of fun. I actually quit drinking a few years ago. So when I go out, it's more about the food or the experience than the alcohol for me. So poker's fun because it's kind of like chess and you can win money. And golf is fun just because I enjoy the sport of golf because it's such a silly sport hitting a little ball into a little hole. So those are my two outlets. What about you? What do you do for GNO? You know, that's a good question. It's changed a lot. So my wife and I had a daughter about five months ago. Ah, yes. Your life is over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There hasn't been a whole lot of nights out. Um, uh, Yeah, we're big on food too. So trying whatever new... I mean, there's a million restaurants here in LA. So yeah, just trying new places, like no shortage of that. We used to travel a lot too. That's not really a night out, but we'd love to travel, love to try new things. And yeah, we're big on experiences too. So kicking it off with, with pod decks, let's first talk about that. I've been watching you for a while. A lot of entrepreneurship, a lot of different businesses, but how did this one particular come about? 
Yeah, Poddex was an accidental business. It was, uh, you know, I have a podcast editing agency as you do, and you and I both know that there is a limitation at some point to the amount of time we can sell. It's either we have to have the time or our team has to have the time. And at that point in time, I had maxed out my time. And I was at the at that point, I was really into all these like business gurus. And they were all telling me the same thing. You got to sell while you sleep. You need to make a course. And so I made a course on how to start a podcast that nobody asked me to. No one knew really knew who I was. I was behind the scenes. But I built this course because I thought I could still help people without having to be you know, one-to-one with them. And so uh, one of the other books that I read, this is a really great book if you're if you're into books, it's called The One-Page Marketing Plan by Alan Dibb. And this book kind of changed the way I look at marketing, but one of the aspects he talked about was um, snail mail is really underrated, you know, because we're all digital now, we get emails and all this stuff. People stop using real mail. So he said that one of the techniques that he had used in the past that really worked was sending a lumpy envelope. And when you get an envelope in the mail that you're not expecting and it's like lumpy, you can feel that there's something in there, it's not only the first thing you open, but if it's like kind of cool, it surprises and delights you. So I said to myself, all right, I'm gonna use the lumpy envelope strategy and anybody who buys my course, I'm gonna send them a deck of cards with these cool questions that they can ask on their podcast. Well. I launched the course, sold like three, and then nobody, it was just crickets. So I started to panic. And when I panicked, I started showing the cards. Hey, you get these deck of cards with it. And people were reaching out to me going, I don't want the course, but I want the cards. And so my initial response was, well, no, that's not what this is. I'm not a deck company, right? And then after the fifth or seventh or eighth email of people saying, I don't want your course, I just want the cards, I said, maybe there's something here. You know, you need to listen to the market and the market tells you what they want. So I called it Poddex, just the first name I could think of. What can I call this? Poddex. Okay, great. I made a quick logo. I pressed one deck and I ran an ad on Instagram just using a promoted post, like the most basic way you could do it. And I like sold a hundred in a day. And so I was like, okay, this must be a fluke. I know nothing about ads. I do nothing about e-commerce. And so I did it again and I sold out again. And that really was the beginning of Poddex, which was bootstrapping an e-commerce company. I didn't buy 5,000 decks to sell. I just had the one to show. So sometimes the lesson there is that sometimes your big idea isn't your big idea and that you know, people will tell you what they want from you. And so here I am now, not only do I have the the deck business, but I turned it into a mobile app so I could, you know, service people all over the globe with uh, another property. And it's just funny how that, that one product kind of opened me up to the world because before that, I was like behind the scenes. I was sort of terrified of putting myself out there. But Poddex allowed me to not only promote my product, but then start sharing some of the knowledge that I had from growing other people's podcasts with podcasters. And those two things combined really opened me up to the possibilities of what you can do with yourself on social media. So it was a really wonderful gift that the world gave to me by not wanting my course. (laughs) That's a rad story, just that it it was intentional to some extent, but also just kind of had some initial, I don't want to call it luck because you know what you're doing, but just, yeah, just, it, it's interesting how one idea, you're kind of trying to go in one way and then something happens and you're like, oh, this is what I should be doing. It's so true too with like the service-based businesses, myself too, like editing and producing pod, like I love it. it. It's kind of a blessing and a curse. And like you said, I've been doing it for so long now. I feel like I'm like maxed out but I want to make more money and I, you know, but you kind of get in this pattern where it's like, well, yeah, I do need to be making money while I sleep. I've been trying to come up with like a product for my service business. And so you've inspired me just with pod decks and some of the other stuff you've been doing. What kind of advice would you have for like service based businesses that are looking to like add a stream of revenue through a product? This is pretty smart, dude. This is like a cool, this is a cool product. Yeah, thank you very much. I mean, I, you know, I think so. Two things with Poddex. The reason I think it worked was that in podcasting, there's not really any accessories. So, like, once you buy a mic and a pair of headphones and an interface, there's not really anything else that you can buy. And people like to buy things almost to a fault. Like, they'd prefer to buy something 
because it makes them feel like they're getting the result they want. And so that was one aspect of why it worked. And two, it gamified podcasting. It gave people who may be introverts a chance. It gave people who are extroverts a chance to gamify, to get something spontaneous, to kind of shake up their podcast. And I think those are the two things. So if you can figure out a way for a service business how to gamify it, right, that might be like you know, a 30-day challenge of, of something to do every day. And it, maybe the medium is a deck of cards. Maybe it's some other commodity that you could get your hands on. Um, you know, that always does well with service-based businesses. You know, creating something that can help someone do something without you, I think is very valuable. So if you have like, you know, maybe you have like this rock solid checklist of how you produce a podcast, you know, that might become a PDF or an ebook or something that could be sold over and over again. Because, you know, hiring an editor means that you're investing in yourself and not every podcaster is ready to do that. They might not be in the right cycle. They might not be making any money. They might be too protective. So if you could offer them something that they could use without you as a service-based business, you'll be the first person they think of when they do need a service. Um, I'll keep brainstorming like off the top of my head for a service-based business, you know, the products you want to create are something that's going to be, uh, first of all, time-saving. So, how can I save you the time of researching questions? Well, I've got your back, right? You've got Poddex. How can I uh, optimize the way that you create your thing? That's the question that needs to be answered. So I think the answer for you is either gamification or time savings, and then something that is probably like, you know, I, the reason Poddex worked, I think, is because, you know, shuffle up and deal, shuffle up and podcast. Like I connected podcasting with a commodity that everybody knows. Everyone has a deck of cards in their in their house and you can use those cards in different ways, but it was something that was like physical, tangible, had sort of a randomization effect. And you mentioned luck and yes, luck favors the bold, right? So yes, I consider myself incredibly lucky that pod decks worked because in the back of my head, it was just like a gift. It was a goof. It was a you know, it was just a little nicety that turned out to be something that people wanted to buy. So there is luck involved. But in, unless you put yourself out there and take chances, you know, I could have shut the whole thing down and said, I'm not a deck company and just said, I am pushing this course. And the whole game would have changed for me because Poddex was the way that I learned how to present myself on social media. So it really was a, a, a double gift of having a business but also learning how I can connect with people digitally to get them interested in said business. This was kind of a tool that allowed you to put yourself out on social media. Let's talk a little bit about that. So using social media to leverage your brand, your business, your podcast, uh, your kind of first go with that was Poddex. And we'll get into it in a little bit more. But now you're doing all types of things on social media on helping yes. creators, helping business owners. So what would you say to someone who's like, afraid to put themselves out on social media because I, I definitely was. I, I mean, I still am a little intimidated when I go to like make a video or something. F say for like a podcaster, what is a good way to get over that hump? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest reason people are afraid to put themselves out there is really just a basic fear of being judged, right? I think nobody wants to look stupid. Nobody wants to be criticized, you know, and there's also, unfortunately, with social media, it's been programmed to be sort of a slot machine that you want to win. So if you're yeah. doing something and you're not getting any results, it's really damaging to the psyche. The same way it is when you obsess about your podcast stats, right? Uh, I've coached lots of podcasters over the years and they'll come to me and say, I only get 200 downloads. And I say, well, if you were on a stage in front of 200 people, you'd be sweating bullets because you'd be nervous to present to those 200 people. So stop minimizing what you have and start investing in what you have. So I like to always ask myself, when I'm afraid of something, what is, what is what am I really afraid of? Because it's not publishing a video to social media. It's more, will I get the result? And that's an expectation. So a quick way to get over expectations is to expect nothing. And then anything that comes in above nothing is a net positive, right? But I think for the most part, people want, you know, they want instant success on social media, and that may not be how it works for you, right? It's a process 
Just like learning how to podcast, learning how to ride a bike, you got to fall down a few times in order to make it work. So I say every minute that you are not sharing something on social media that is valuable, I'm not talking about your lunch or your dog, <laughs> I'm talking about like you have knowledge that no one else has, right? Or you have experiences no one else has. Every time, every minute you spend not sharing that information, you're actually robbing people of getting value. You're robbing people of a result. You're robbing people of getting in tune with somebody like you who they might resonate with more than me, which is okay, right? So if you look at it from a selfish standpoint, you're robbing people of impact. And if anybody wants to make a an impact in the world as podcasters, right? We're sharing stories, we're sharing, you know, it's the oldest form of communication that we have is sitting around a campfire telling stories about how not to get eaten by the lion, right? It's very baked into our biology and, and who we are from the core. So if you're comfortable with sharing stories on, on podcasts, and I was exactly the same way, I hid behind my microphone. It was my safety bubble. It's really freeing because the the tough news is for podcasters is that people don't wake up in the morning and check the podcast app. They check social media. They check their email. So if you want to grow a podcast, you're going to have to come to the terms with that if you want to get into traffic, you have to be where the traffic is. And right now, social media is where it's at. So you need to at least give yourself a chance because discoverability for podcasting is completely just, it's terrible. No one no one figured out how to make people find podcasts of interest. Spotify is kind of doing it, but no one's really doing it to the full effect. So if to recap that little diatribe, if you're afraid of putting yourself out on social media, ask yourself what you're really afraid of because chances are it's something that is never gonna happen to you. Second of all, remember that you do have value and you only need to be one step ahead of someone to teach them. So you're not an imposter and that you're selfishly hiding yourself away. And three, let's be honest, it's social media. What's the worst thing that's gonna happen, right? You're not a heart surgeon, no one's gonna die. You put out a bad video, you put out a bad video, right? So from an opportunity cost standpoint, not doing it costs you a lot more than actually trying to go for it. You have to start to start, really, you know, and the more you do this or the more you do anything, really, you're going to get more comfortable with it as time goes on. I think what I struggle with, yeah, is, and it's so stupid, but like friends and family seeing it or like judging me <laughs> and it's, it's the dumbest yeah. thing ever, but I almost get more weirded out when they like, like my posts. I'm like, are you liking it because I'm your friend or do you really like it? Or like, it's like. It's so, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a mind twister <laughs> for sure. Yeah, just giving that advice and encouraging people to start to get on social media because, yeah, that's where people are. You don't have to be like this PhD in podcasting. Whatever, There's some kind of knowledge that you have that people are yearning for. I guess the hardest way, though, is kind of how to convey that, you know, because people seem so thirsty sometimes on social media. As long as your intentions are good and you're actually there to teach people to add value, then uh, you're you're in the right place, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think there's multiple different kinds of content, right? There's the look at me content, which is like what it used to be. Social media be social media used to be like, look what I'm doing. And I think now it's more, look what I can do for you. We're, there's, you know, humans forage, we don't forage for food, we don't forage for shelter, we forage for information. And the way that feeds are set up are to release dopamine, to make you feel good, and we're constantly looking for more and more information. So that being said, if that's the zeitgeist, if that's where people's mindsets are in the stream of consciousness, then the only way to get into that stream of consciousness is to put some information in onto the plate. Now, yes, there are people that do trends and dance because that's the easiest way to get into it. Totally cool. At some point, I do think that if you're speaking into a microphone on a podcast, that it shouldn't be such a stretch for you to speak to a camera because we do it all day long. We do it on Zoom, we do it on FaceTime, but for some reason when it comes to social media, we you know we get that deer in headlights look. So a great way to be able to start doing this, because I like to get people started, is don't overwhelm yourself with comparing to other people and you know trying to figure out these hacks and tricks and all this stuff just remember that the average reading level in the United States is 6th grade so with that in mind 
All we have to do is take one thing and make it simple. And that's where you start. You just take all of the most complex things you know and simplify them and spoon feed your audience. And that's really the name of the game is you don't have to be an expert or a PhD in anything. Literally, I think experts are at the end of their journey. You just need to know something that someone behind you doesn't know. You need to think about the person where you were when you first started. It doesn't matter what niche, if it's losing weight, if it's podcasting, whatever. What questions did you have when you first started? Answer those questions because there's somebody else out there that has those questions. And if you continue to learn, then you can continue to pass that information down the line. And that's where I think expertise really comes into as an educator on social media. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I like that. Thinking about questions that I had when I first started and then answering some of those questions. So at what point, if you're you know, putting out content where you're teaching, you're adding value, you're helping people solve a problem, at what point do you pepper in your offerings? You know, Maybe you make five videos all geared towards education and then do you make one where you kind of pitch your services or kind of what's the balance or how do you kind of slide in I'm giving you guys all this stuff, but also over here, I, I also offer paid services for X, Y, and Z. Because that's tricky, I think, for people. I have a podcast. I would love for you to listen, but I'm also over here talking about how to podcast and tips and, yeah, juggling that. Yeah, so there's two ways you can do this. There's, there's two separate kinds of content. There's growth content and there's sales content. So most of the time, you need to be in the mindset of what you want. So if you want to grow, then you need to be talking about things that people are looking for, whether that be high-performing topics or uh, something that's maybe top of mind or trending. And then uh, there's sales content, which is straight up like, this is the result that we get for people because people buy for a result. They don't buy for features or specs. Like you never see Apple talking about the chipset for the most part in a in a product. They talk about what you can do with it. They talk about that that home film you can make. So if you get into that mindset and you just say, hey, listen, I'm not gonna talk about the features of what I do. I'm gonna talk about the benefits of ownership. It's really easy to make sales content. And you know, there's, they're just two different kinds of posts. So you have to decide when you're in sales mode versus when you're in growth mode. And growth mode is just getting more leads. Instagram followers or social media followers are just leads. They're just people that are kind of interested. And then the sales content is where you close them. Now, the second thing you can do to combine those two is to, it's not really backdoor bragging, but, you know, you can mention your business in the growth content. So, Today, my podcast client had an issue and here's what I did to solve it. So you're mentioning that you have these clients and you're mentioning your service, but you're also giving valuable information on how to overcome that obstacle. Because, you know, the entire world revolves around the hero's journey, which is there's a hero and they encounter an obstacle and then they meet a guide who helps them overcome the obstacle for a happy ending. Now, in this situation, the audience is the hero and we are the guide. So all we need to do is say, hey, listen, I see that you're struggling with this, and at my agency, this is what we do, but I'm gonna help you fix that right now without even hiring us, and, and, here's, and here's how you do that. So you can do a little, you know, some people call it backdoor bragging. I just, I just call it like slipping in a detail about who we are and why we are the expert. And those are two ways that you can do that. What you don't want to do is sell all the time because then you just become a commercial of sales. Most people are terrified to share what they know because they think that they won't have anything to sell. And I want to tell you that it's the exact opposite. The more information you give people is the more trust and authority you build. But not only that, every time you, you give someone some information, they will inherently run into another problem. So let's say that Let's use podcasting as the example. Let's say we're running a podcast editing agency and we want to get more clients. Well, the best way to do that is to actually get people to start podcasting on their own because at some point they're going to get frustrated or they're going to get big enough to where they're going to want to offload it to somebody else. Now, if we've given them the information to get them started, we have to be in the top five people of the list that they're going to look to once they're ready to make that move. So, by giving away all the information and getting someone started, you're much more likely to get a client in that realm because now they're up and running 
and they want to they want somebody to help them with it and we're going to be the person to do that. So I think that if you completely flip your mindset and go I'm going to give away all the information so that people can get started on their own and when they get stuck they're going to want to work with me. I'll be top of mind for whatever it is I'm yeah. offering or whatever my businesses will exactly. be will be top of mind. I'm seeing Eric, I trust him. To me, he's been, quote unquote, like positioning himself as an expert. It's, and, you know, so obviously I would use him for whatever, you know what I mean? If you tell somebody some information that helps them get something and they actually get that result, that's a win for you because a personal brand isn't a logo. It isn't a website. It's not anything more than your reputation. And if you have a reputation of being a helpful person that will attract clients to you, I don't care what you say. I've seen people that do the vague information and it there's nothing to attach to it. It's like, I'll tell you if you pay me. Well, okay, get me a win first. Get me, get me moving first so I'm at least excited about this and then want to hire you. So, you know, I think that, you know, every, there is no in, new information at this point. Mm -hmm. It is literally <laughs> yeah. all out there. So in theory, they can find it out without you for free. So why not just be the person that makes it easier for them to get that information and maybe even make it fun? You know, education and entertainment are the two biggest niches on the internet. And if you can combine those two, you're, you're like a superpower. So make complex things fun. Make If you're in weight loss, make it fun. Make it like a game to lose weight. That's where you'll see the combination of community and content come together. And community is also a big part of what you do. When you can grow a th thriving community of people that are interested in you, all you're doing is making a better qualification of your leads to people who will eventually buy from you. Man, you're a wealth of information. I love this. You've got me thinking <laughs> about things in such a different way. And hopefully, good. you know, the listeners or the uh, audience can uh, get some good nuggets from this as well. And so the way to do this, we're doing all this through video. And let's talk a little bit about some of your video content and how you went from earlier this year, you you increased by like 100,000 followers. You, you tell the story, but didn't things just shoot up for you? And I guess how much of that is preparation, how much of it is strategic, how much of it is by chance. And then kind of once you do start to amass this following and you're adding this value, you're kind of peppering in your offerings, you're giving things away for free, building a community. Then let's talk about what to do with it when you get that big follower growth. I'm a two-year overnight success, okay? When you do blow up, a lot of people will be like, wow, you just blew up. But what they didn't see in the background is two years of consistently posting, giving away all the information, being a part of the community. Social media is a community. And if you just show up and drop something there and leave, it's like hosting a party and hiding in your room. It's like, come to my party, but then where are you? Uh, you're not at your own party, right? So, um, I posted consistently for about two years before I, quote, blew up. And I started off as me knowing zero about Instagram. I was running pod decks and I was kind of showing the products. And then I realized, oh, I can share some of my information. And it was podcasting 24-7. That's all I was talking about. I reached a point where I realized through talking to some of my friends and mentors that in some capacity they basically said, do you just want to be known? Do you just want to be like a deck of cards for the rest of your life? Right. And it was a good question because it was like, okay, I see where you're going. Like, welcome to the stage pod decks. No, it's Travis. Right. So what does that look like? And when I did some internal thinking about that, I realized that podcasting is a great niche, but there's only 3 million people podcasting. And in best case scenario, there might be like 5 million people interested in it. So if I continued down that road, I would have to remember that the growth that I could achieve would be capped at some point, which is fine. And in order to reach massive audiences, you have to talk to bigger topics. So I reflectively looked at what the most common questions I got from podcasters were, how do I grow an audience or how do I make money? Those were the two things that podcasters wanted the most. They didn't care about microphones and editing and all the things that I was jamming down their throats. They wanted to make money and grow an audience. So I started 
talking about audience growth. All right, I shifted, I pivoted. It was one of the hardest things I'd ever done was like putting down the podcast content to try something new. And I went through some phases of testing there. And I'll elaborate on the testing in a moment. And then I switched to, I, I started to talk more about money making. And during that process of testing, I figured out that people were really, really interested in adding extra income to their existing income, right? Making a little side money and the side hustle. And so I'd been testing content and testing hooks and looking around at what other people were doing and obviously leveraging video, something I said I would never do. When Reels came out, I said, I'm never doing that. And here I am, it's my favorite thing to do. But I was testing content and I was testing hooks. Now a hook is the first thing you see or you say in a video. And it's actually probably the most important part because a hook is gonna get people stop flipping channels. I, I equate social media consumption today to somebody who's just flipping channels on a TV station until they see something that is of interest to them and they stop. The same thing happens with your thumb. You just kind of flip through until something catches your attention. So the first thing you say needs to really get them to stop the scroll. And then the content that you deliver after that should be tied into that hook in some way and hopefully valuable. So I was testing giving away business ideas. I was like, you know, I've got all these ideas on a whiteboard that I'm never gonna do because I'm too busy. So why don't I just like give them away? So maybe somebody else takes them and makes some money. And through that, I developed this hook, which was, here's a business idea, do something with it. So in that hook, you know I'm about to give you an idea, yet I'm also sort of challenging you to go do something with it, right? And I had been testing hooks and I posted that video. It did what it normally did. I was getting like, I don't know, five or 6,000 views. And then two weeks later, I noticed I got all these followers and I was like, that's weird. And then more and more and it just kept going. And I was like, what is going on? And I looked back and that video <clears throat> that I said, here's a business idea, do something with it, was just skyrocketing. Strategically, I said, great. What do we do when something works? We do it again, okay? So I did another video. Here's a business idea, do something. It million views. Pre the other one got to two million, and I did it again. Million views, and I did it again. 500,000 views. So the lesson here is, for anybody on social media, once something works, do it again. Because... Virality comes from predictability, not creativity, okay? And what I mean by that is you could still be creative in your content, but people wanna show up every day knowing or at least having an idea of what you're going to do, okay? So if you say you're gonna give away business ideas every day, you wanna show up with a business idea. You don't wanna mix it up and change it up every day. And this is what I had missed for two years was every day I thought I had to come up with some brand new concept or idea and I was like grinding my gears and I was just confusing everybody. So once something starts to click in, you wanna capitalize on that and do it again. And so I would challenge you and every other person here listening to think about when something did work, what did you do the next day? Probably something completely different. And then you didn't get the same result. And then you thought, oh, I suck. No one loves me. Social media is stupid, right? Couple things from that. One, I'm hearing it is okay to pivot that you were kind of going in this direction. It was like podcasting, podcasting, podcasting. And then slowly you started to realize that there's a bigger audience out there. If you kind of make some adjustments to your message, still kind of centered around content creation and social media and growth as like some kind of online creator, which I think is great because I, I, that's even honestly happening to me. You mentioned like podcasting, podcasting. And this show is a lot about that. But as I'm kind of going through things, I'm like, dude, if I just kind of segue this a little bit, still talk about podcasting, but social media and just kind of market to just creators in general, not just only podcast creators, there's a yep. lot more information and a lot more paths to go down to lead to bigger people. So I think for people listening, yeah, once you've kind of honed in on your specialty, you can start to branch out a little bit from it. Do you want me to give you an example of that? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so like, 
let's say somebody so five years ago is like niche 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 all the way down till you're the only one there and that doesn't work anymore due to the way that the algorithm has changed and consumption habits have changed so like let's imagine that we have barbara who's listening to the show right now and barbara is like this pilates coach and she teaches pilates that is like what she's all about and she's presenting herself to the world as like the pilates person well a great way to broaden that out is to go okay well, you teach Pilates, but what people really want from a broad scope is they want to lose weight or they want to look good, right? So when we change from Pilates to like, you know, weight loss, now we've re now we're going to reach a huge audience, right? Yes, the message might still be that Pilates is going to help you lose weight. However, when we flip the script on that, we're able to access more people. So for like podcasting, the next logical step is marketing, right? Because podcasting is basically media that you can market on. So if you start talking to marketing, and yes, podcasting is one of the elements of marketing, you're going to reach more people through that message. No, totally. I, I totally agree that. And I think I've even been starting to slowly see that myself. Um, it's it's tough too, because I think people get so attached to like their what they think their identity is or what it's like yes. supposed to be. And, and that's all well and good. And like you said, yeah, the message is still Pilates in this example. And that's kind of like your whole ecosystem, but you're just expanding it out. And I think, yeah, it's a great way to reach more people. You have a podcast, but you're also an online creator. And so there's all these other avenues that you should be um, putting time into. So what are your like social media slash marketing trends for 2023? Like short content versus long form content? What do you think's going on and, and where people should be looking forward with uh, all the stuff they're creating? Yeah, I mean, the big three, which would be YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok are all focused on short form video content. So nine by 16 vertical video. Um, I think that those are being pushed. So it's, you know, you're swimming upstream if you're going against that. You will at some point, like video is not the future. Video is the present. And yeah. so if you're not doing it, it's like, trying to ride a horse on a highway, right? You just, you got to get a car. So you're going to have to get in tune with that. And this is all based off of human consumption because consumption has completely changed. Reels completely wrecked Instagram because it was a platform where we used to share carousels and images. And there was like, there it's a multifaceted platform that now is simply just pushing one of the, the you know, mediums because they're chasing the attention of TikTok. And so we have to keep that in mind. We, ha we, can't, we can't force a round peg into a square hole. People wanna look at short form video for three reasons. One, instant gratification. People like to get a quick hit of dopamine. They either like to laugh or learn, right? So that continues them to be able to constantly just keep flipping and keep getting something new. So that's one reason. Two, it's faster. If I went, if let's say I needed to go to YouTube to find a video to unclog a toilet and there's a three minute video and an eight minute video, which video am I going to click on? Three. Right. Because why wouldn't I want to learn how to do it in three minutes as opposed to eight? So that's the kind of mentality that people have where I think YouTube's a great platform, but I think it's hard to retain someone through a video. So where short form video is your only expectation is to kind of decimate information like under a minute. So it's not incredibly hard to produce. It's not incredibly hard to prepare for. And that's going to be a big one. Now, I have another prediction for 2023, which is going to be live selling. I think that live selling in 2023 is going to have an explosion. So you have Amazon is integrating a, a feed-like video part. They're testing oh, it right Oh, I've now. seen it yes. on Black Friday. It's like QVC or something. And it was like really well done. Yeah. So TikTok's going to have some type, you know, people are already live selling on TikTok. And then there's an app called Whatnot. And I think this app called Whatnot is going to explode. Right now, it's really just like for hobbyist stuff like Pokemon cards and t-shirts and shoes. But I think at some point, the experience of going on social media and looking at your favorite creator do their little QVC show and sell something, I think that's going to drive sales. I think it's going to take a bite out of the whole 
click the link in the bio, go to the landing page, download the lead magnet, go into the funnel. That will still always exist. But I think that the live selling element is something that's going to be underrated. And it's going to be on video. And you're going to show products and they're going to be able to click in and buy right there. So really, when we boil this down, it's short form video is going to win and it's going to continue to win. Now, how short will it get? I don't know because the attention spans are clearly what, what you know, the consumption habits clearly dictate that. But you can't put the genie back in the bottle, right? We've already broken the way people want to see things. And unfortunately, they're not as interested in images or maybe is interested in long form con content, unless you're Mr. Beast and you're giving away a million dollars in every video, right? Like it's sort of, we've reached this equilibrium of, we need to be quick, concise, and exciting. And we either have to have them learn something or laugh at something. And that's really, if there was a recipe card I could hand you, that's it. Yeah, learn something or laugh. So I agree. Yeah, you're teaching them something or they're entertained. They're, yeah, they're getting a kick out of whatever it is. Let's talk about long form content because I mean, right now, obviously, we're 40 minutes in here. What are your predictions for long form audio? Or is is that even getting too long? Do you think or is that different because audio you can consume while you're at the gym or doing the dishes or and there's no wrong answer. I mean, if you think it's too long, it's I'm just curious. So I think that long form content will always exist specifically for podcasting because it does serve that I'm going to do this while I do something else. So when I worked in a cubicle, I listened to podcasts all day long. It was like my lifeline. And I'd listen to them in the car when I commuted. Now I don't commute anywhere. And so the, the amount of time I have to spend with podcasts has greatly reduced. So there are a few podcasts on my list that I am a fan of and listen to regularly. And then when I when those are sort of expired, there's other podcasts I'll dabble in. But you really have to think about, as a podcaster, what is my audience doing while they listen to this? Is it the morning walk with the dog and I, I get 10 minutes out of them? Or is it the drive all the way to the city that takes 60 minutes? And when you can start to kind of like look at uh, stats, so I'm not a huge analytics or stats guy, but there is one stat that I really love in podcasting, which is the average consumption rate. And you can find this in, um, you know, Apple has this. I don't know if any other platforms has it, but they'll basically show you a percentage of how long some, like the average person lasts through your, your, your podcast. So if your podcast is 30 minutes long and you're getting a, you know, 70 to 90% completion rate, that shows that people are sticking around for 30 minutes. If you do a 60 minute episode and it drops to like 40 or 50, it's too long, right? So you, you can use these numbers to kind of steer you towards what your audience is doing while they're listening. And that's going to be your best bet. Now, a podcast is as long as a podcast is. However, there are tools just in simple planning to keep yourself on track to minimize a longer episode into more of a sitcom length, right? People are used to watching a show for 26 minutes. So 26 minutes to me is sort of the mark of when the average person is sort of like, okay, I've, I'm done consuming this. So those are the factors I would take in. I think long form comment content will always exist. And I think, you know, I think YouTube is a great place to experiment with that if you have the bandwidth to create a long form video. More work, well, especially with video, with editing Correct. and planning yeah. shots, and it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, and I, I think the word consistency gets like really abused by gurus in the space of creation. C consistency for you is what you can consistently keep up with long term. So let's say like you're going to post three videos a week on social media, and you're going to be able to do that for a long time. Then that's as consistent as you need to be. Where people get trapped is they listen to all these people say, oh, you got to post on TikTok three times a day and that's how you win. And they try that and they burn out really quick and then they never want to do it again. You show up when you can show up consistently and that is your consistency. And no one can tell you that because no one lives your life and has the other things going on in your life that you can do. So when someone says consistency to you, I would say, the things you want to think about it consistently is how often can I show up and how consistent can I be? And two, how consistently can I talk about one outcome? And when I say an outcome, I mean, 
If Barb, the Pilates coach, wants you to lose 15 pounds, that's the outcome. If you're going to help people get uh, on new and noteworthy in the first 90 days of their podcast, that's an outcome. And you have to speak to that outcome over and over again consistently. You don't have to say the same thing, but you do need to have some consistency to what you're talking about. Because if our feed is primetime TV, and that's what I compare mine to, and I went to the Discovery Channel because I want to watch some cool stuff about the Egyptians, and I turned it on and there was a football game on, the first thing I would think is I'm on the wrong channel. And then when I realized I was on the right channel, I'd be pretty pissed at Discovery Channel because I expected to see something about ancient aliens or the pyramids or something in that vein. And so we need to keep our social media platforms the same way. We can't be like, hey, I'm going to help you grow a podcast, but I'm also going to help you start a lemonade stand. And then we're also going to look at my dog. Now I'm confused. And that what I'm going to do is I'm either going to unfollow you or I'm going to know that when your content comes up, that it, it might not be worth my time. And we need to make sure that we're qualifying to our audience. Hey, you're agreeing to spending time with me. I'm going to, I'm going to honor that time. So if it's social media, making sure we're, we're consistent in our topic. If it's a podcast, make sure that every minute of that podcast is of use and not just fluff because we want people to know that we value their time. And I think those are a few factors that I don't think people think about very often. They think about trending audio and how to hack the algorithm and all this, like all these like band-aids when really they need to think about why does someone follow me? What do they need to know? And how can I give it to them and explain it like they're five? Travis, before we get going, I just want to talk a little bit about gear because I'm a little bit of a gearhead. Yeah. What are some apps, just some online tools and or software that kind of help you do what you do for your workflow? Absolutely. So right now I'm talking into an SM7B. And the only reason that I have this mic is because I used to record bands and it's a great pro audio microphone. Um, if I could tell anybody anything about microphones, they all do the exact same thing. They take air from your face and turn it into a digital signal. So there's no magic mic. There are mics that can help you make faster, but the microphone is not the answer. Your greatness is not external. It's just a tool like any other tool. A spoon is a spoon. If it's plastic, if it's metal, same thing goes for microphones. Now, the magic of this microphone for me is that I'm plugging it into this Focusrite Vocaster One. And that microphone, uh, that interface, actually can handle the 7B, which has a very low output. And it also has DSP built in that should make me sound a little better than just a, a raw microphone. So I'm really excited about the Vocaster because I got to take that giant Rodecaster off my desk. And now I have this little thing that does everything I need for one person. As far as apps go, um, I use CapCut, which is a free video editing app uh, that you can add captions and transitions to your videos. I've found that trying to edit on a phone is just impossible for me. My fingers are too big. I'm too old. I don't know. So <laughs> I like to use the free CapCut desktop app to like edit some of my videos. And I would encourage you, if you're not 100% that you like video or want to make video, it's a free tool that you could at least try to learn how to make videos. So that's a big one for me. I'm trying to think of what other apps I'm excited about. As far as mobile goes, I'm obsessed with this WhatNot app, the live selling app. I recommend you just download it and just check out what people are doing. It's pretty fascinating. And um, what else has blown my mind recently? Not a whole lot. I've found that um, you know, just talking to the the topic of all the tools and all the TV shows and stuff. One thing that I did this year was I I monitored my consumption habits. And when I say that, I mean I limited how often I looked at social media. I limited how many TV shows I watched. I limited how many video games I played, how many apps I downloaded. Because every minute that I spend on something else is a minute that I'm not thinking, writing filming, creating, building. And so I would challenge your audience to think about how much they consume because I think most people don't post, they lurk. And they're lurking because they're looking for this like magical opportunity or inspiration or invitation that they're never gonna get. They're just gonna keep getting fed content. So if you wanna make more, consume less. And that's the magic to creating things is if you want to build a business, 
then you need to spend time building that business. You can't be up to the up to the minute with every TV show or podcast that's out there. Consume less, create more. And then if I could ask one favor of your audience here, just one favor. Mm-hmm. Plug away, yeah. Yeah, if they could do me one favor, if you have found value in this episode or any other episode of this podcast, what I want you to do is I want you to go leave a review. And I don't mean just like, swiping to five stars. I mean, actually write something. You know, let Eric know that what this show means to you, how you've transformed, what episode you liked, because, you know, reviews are sort of like this unspoken lifeblood of podcasters. You know, podcasts don't magically happen. You have to find the guest. You have to schedule the guest. You have to show up prepared. You have to record it. You have to edit it. You have to put it out. You have to promote it. There's a lot of work that goes into this particular episode. So the one thing you could do for me is show this show some love because I think it will brighten his day and he'll he'll know that you're out there listening and it will keep him creating more of these episodes. So that's the favor I have to ask of the clipped audience. Does that sound good? Right on, Travis. Yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate the love. Um, go check Travis out. Plug all your channels. Let, let, let the good people know where they can find you. I'm on Instagram at Travis Brown, and I uh, pretty much focus on one platform. I run my account. I respond to all DMs. I love meeting people. So come say hello and let me know what you thought of this episode. And, you know, it's a community. Listen, social media is not a place to just go drop stuff, it's a place to meet people. It's a place I've met a business partner on Instagram. My business partner lives in London. Okay, I met him on Instagram, okay? My, uh, I'm sure lots of people are, are married to, if not dating somebody, they met on the internet. Your new friends, your customers, your new business partner, your new boss might be somebody that you meet through the community element of social media. So treat it like a party. And if you're hosting, be a great host. And if you're at the party, be a great guest. And that is the magic that's going to make social media and marketing for you fun, not a job. You have so much value to share. There's no one like you. And every minute that you keep it to yourself, you're robbing the world of your impact. So I challenge you, what's the worst that could happen? I just see, I just messed up when I spoke. Do I care? No. What's the worst thing that can happen? As long as you aren't doing anything with hate speech or harming people, there's nothing that can go wrong. Amen to that. Travis, thank you for coming on the show. It's an honor. Thank you so much. I know I cover up my fault lines with silly putty. Like the laugh's gonna make the bad shit turn to nothing. But that's rubber, I'm blue. All I say stick to you. Trying to get close to the truth. Man, I ain't 22 no more. Gotta shoot for the moon. Fuck if I fall on the floor. I always get packed up, ask for more. I'ma keep playing pain strings till they chant an encore. Do you? Don't let them push your youth through a door that they open. This open wound, I'm an open book. I'm a kook, shooting hoop dreams. They break into the roof. They be at the tree of Eden, trying to tear out all its roots. I be aiming for a king, playing around in a booth. This'll all work out. Tell my mama I'll be cool. She ain't gotta worry about a little chicken flew the coop. Chicken, little near the truth. The sky's always falling down. Everybody's reaching out, thinking they can grab the clouds.